0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, episode 61. I'm Tiernan Duyeb, and if I lose six seats this election, then I'll get fired from my job at IKEA. According to Prime Minister T-1000 May, sorry, Theresa May, on Twitter, if she loses just six seats at this upcoming election, then Jeremy Corbyn will be sitting down to negotiate with Europe, which presumably means he's stolen her seats. Now, either this is concerning proof that the woman bot likely to be R P M for the next five years has no idea how the election system works because this is definitely not true and actually her losing six seats would just mean that she'd have to have less billionaire donors round for dinner. Or this is a rallying cry to Conservative voters who need to be incensed to go and vote as it seems Theresa May's place at number 10 may not be as secure as everyone thought. Or at least, she might have to stay there but have absolutely nowhere to sit. In one of the quickest election U-turns in history, Theresa May has already sort of U-turned, but not really, on a controversial dementia tax that was part of the Conservative manifesto. It has been looking like the Tory landslide may be far more of a common slope failure, as in the latest polls, they've put Labour up to 33 to 35 percent, which isn't amazing, but it is a perfect number for both sides of the Labour Party to tell you that either it means Labour leader and quarter-womble Jeremy Corbyn is doing very well, or very badly, or neither, or both, depending on your opinion. This boost was likely down to the Tory proposed policies being akin to one of those emails, you know one of those emails that you would write to say how you really feel about someone and how mad they make you, only you're then meant to delete it, but instead you've sent it, printed it out and handed it round to all the journalists. For a start there were the social care plans, now dementia taxes, labelled by the press, and these aim to take the potentially good idea of inheritance tax and deform them into some sort of horrific monstrosity that will just mean elderly people suffering from dementia and other illnesses will have to pay for their own care using their own assets. Incredible that the Conservatives keep talking about throwing off the tag of being the nasty party and yet they have specifically targeted vicious policies at people who won't be able to remember who dealt them out in the first place. In a speech that caused several journalists to say that Theresa May is now weak and wobbly, which, to be honest, I think is a far better campaign slogan, as it sounds like you might be able to elect a jelly as Prime Minister. God, imagine a jelly as Prime Minister. In a speech, Theresa May U-turned on the dementia tax policy by saying that there will be an absolute limit that people needing care will have to pay, but she hasn't said what that limit is, and absolutely nothing from the Conservative manifesto is changing, apparently, so it proves that she is just so useless she can't even U-turn properly. It is really impossible to compare Theresa May to Margaret Thatcher as so many seem to do, when Margaret Thatcher chose not to turn whereas Theresa May is so unstable that if she tried she'd probably fall over so she only attempts it when everyone shouts at her for doing something wrong. Strong and stable! Saying that, she has been pretty good at turning a surefire election lead into more and more of a false start. Whether or not the Conservatives are actually U-turning on that policy, the rest of their manifesto is pretty bleak as well. There are plans to scrap free school meals for around 900,000 children because, hey, how else will Theresa May persuade them to get back into chimney sweeping? Then there's needing voter ID to vote, getting rid of the Fixed Parliament Act so we might have to go through all this sort of bullshit again sooner than you think, and heavy internet regulation so you won't even be able to go online to complain about how these are the sorts of policies you'd get if you made a shitty ways to treat people random generator. Meanwhile, the whole Conservative manifesto is uncosted, which is something that was defended by Work and Pensions Secretary and Cursed Turnip Damien Green on the Andrew Marr Show when he said that it's not uncosted, they just haven't costed it yet. Ah, how reassuring. Similarly, I just want you guys to know it's not that this podcast isn't anywhere near the iTunes charts, it's just that it isn't near them yet. Oh, and also, it's not that I can't fart money at will, I just can't fart money at will yet. Although, trust me, I'm really, really trying, and God, I've eaten quite a lot of money. Though perhaps Green's idiotic comment was meant to be reassuring, as I suppose if the Conservatives can't even get round to costing their manifesto, you sort of hope their awful policies might have the same chance at realisation. Damien Green wasn't the only Conservative this past week to get things publicly wrong. Chancellor Philip Hammond got the cost of the HS2 train wrong by £20 billion on Radio 4, and if mislaying £20 billion isn't strong and stable and trusted on the economy, I don't know what is. And Foreign Secretary and unhinged flump Boris Johnson insisted on ITV's Peston that the impossible pledge to give £350 billion of money saved on the EU to the NHS, he said that was in the Conservative manifesto, which it isn't. Or maybe it's just not in it yet. If Boris can see that bullshit pledge in places it definitely isn't, it might explain an awful lot about his part in last year's Brexit campaign. Last week, Boris also managed to upset worshippers in a Sikh temple by mentioning the post-Brexit boost in the whiskey trade, completely failing to understand that alcohol is forbidden in some Sikh teachings. It is incredible that Boris's election campaign tactic at the moment seems to just be asking people who they trust in charge of negotiating with the EU. Well, actually, we all suspect that he'd just turn up to the EU negotiations dressed in a Beret and Lederhosen before shouting about the Germans having no sense of humour and if the French have eaten their frog's eggs yet today. Oh, and Theresa May said that the falling British pound was not to do with Brexit at all, despite it falling pretty drastically on June the 24th last year, you know, the day after the Brexit referendum. So I guess in a way she is right in that it's actually to do with the promise of Brexit, or more accurately, it's not failing because of Brexit yet. The Prime Minister also denied the idea of Mayism, uh, the idea that they're selling her rather than the party, something that's been proved by her name rather than the Conservatives being sprawled all over the battle bus. Though, silly me, I guess if it's written on a bus, it definitely isn't a thing. Meanwhile, Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn has been accused of refusing to condemn the IRA during an interview on Sky News, though he did condemn the bombing they did. I mean, it's odd that he didn't just say, yes, I condemn them, but I suppose the bombing and violence they committed was probably their worst bit, wasn't it? Maybe he's just a big fan of balaclavas and terrorists giving forewarnings so he's unable to condemn everything about them. Meanwhile, celebrity backing for Corbyn has been pretty strong, with support from Danny DeVito and trust him to get involved in A War of the Roses, uh, as well as Rag and Bone Man, presumably because judging by his name, austerity has hit him hard, and a whole heap of grime artists who think the Conservatives are waste men who will murk everyone. Of course, grime crews think Corbyn is sick. They like stuff that is choppy, off-centre and stylistically very mixed. Also, they started underground and have now become mainstream. I'm pleased to say that on this week's show I have a very special excerpt from a new Grime for Corbyn track by uh Weenie Tantrums. Check this shit out. Uh oh. What? What? Yeah, uh oh. Uh oh, it's Jeremy Corbyn. Man's Party hates him and he's bad at Uh oh, uh oh, it's Jeremy Corbyn. He's miles away from an electrical wind. Uh-oh, uh oh, Jeremy Corbyn. He grows corchettes and his gloves are boring, but. Uh, oh, bruv, I ain't no Corbynista, but I prefer Obi Wan to that robot sister. There's no way to always want equality, but killing foxes, bruv, that ain't me. Uh oh, uh oh, Jeremy Corbyn, uh oh, uh oh, Jeremy Corbyn, uh oh, uh oh, Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, uh, there will be more music from other artists supporting the various parties throughout this week's show. Mm <clears> hmm. <throat> In more election news, the ITV debates took place without May or Corbyn there, and so they felt a lot like a political version of faking it, with everyone just trying their best to pretend they might actually have a chance at winning. Main highlights include UKIP leader and sausage with glasses Paul Nuttall, constantly referring to Plaid Kimmery's Leanne Wood as Natalie. To be fair to Paul, it is very hard to remember names of real people when most of the ones he knows are made up. Also, Natalie Wood is from the era he wants to drag the UK back to, so it does make sense. Nuttall also kept banging on about taking back control of his waters, which makes me think he should see a doctor. The rest of the debate was as fun as, well, watching a debate without the two main party leaders on it. And President of the USA and Silly Putty rolled in fluff Donald Trump is on a tour of the Middle East, stopping first in Saudi Arabia because that's how he'll actually shake things up. This comes just days after Trump admitted he's discussed with visiting Russian officials about how he fired FBI Director James Comey because of the pressures of the investigation into his Russian connections. Well, to be fair, the FBI don't really need anyone at the helm of that investigation anymore if the President is going to do all the work for them. So, hello. Have you registered to vote? Well, by the time you hear this, you won't be able to, so tough titties. Uh, If you really intended to and you didn't manage it, then A, um, how did you not manage it when you're able to download a podcast, you idiot? And B, why not just spend June the 8th just putting crosses by the names of various people you like on various posters and magazines, and then you can experience the same disappointment that we all will on June the 9th when none of them get in either. Hopefully you are all registered and ready to go and thank you again for voting for this show for your ear governance and thanks for the feedback on last week's ask as well about how long this show should be. Um, The responses were that several of you said it was a good amount of time, several of you said this podcast was too long, two people said the interviews could be shorter, two people said they could be longer. Ultimately I've realised this listening to people, Lark, is really hard and democracy is tough. But please do send more of your thoughts on this show to me. Um, I'm always happy to try and make this a better listening experience if I can. Uh, and this week I've put most of this show's interview up on the podcast, but there is a good chunk more and the rest is going to go on the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash uh, I realise I've been quite crap at adding bits on there, but this is partly because out of all the people who donate to Patreon, all the wonderful people, only one person actually bothers to download anything. Um, I know because unlike most politicians doing TV interviews during the election, I have access to stats. Oh yeah, check Mustats, But I will add more stuff on there as I think of things, uh, even if it's just for that one person. Um, so do join up to the Patreon and send us some dosh if you can. Uh, also, a very big thanks this week to John, who donated to the Kofi account at ko-fi.com forward slash Bro, uh, partly because uh, he likes the show, he says, but also partly hoping that I would push his new name for the new £5 notes, um, which he calls a Slippery Winston. And I'm all for that, really. Uh, they are slippery. They have a Winston on them. Though, to be fair, it makes me feel slightly uneasy imagining a Slippery Winston in my pocket or willingly giving someone a Slippery Winston even after they've asked for it. So anyway, uh, go out there, use Slippery Winston, and if you'd like me to promote any stupid ideas you have, then please donate to the ko forward slash bro account as well. And if you can't donate to that or the Patreon, then please do give the show a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And now I have more iTunes reviews than the show that I deem to be a rival, even though they don't really know it and I quite like what they do but hey you have to have a target you know what I mean a couple of other things before we crack on with the show Uh, I have been interviewed on a podcast uh, that came out this week called Comedy Cast where I talk a bit about comedy and rant a lot and there's a conversation about Pavlova on there uh, and generally all about the state of things if you fancy a listen to that it was a lot of fun to do Um, uh, so that's Comedy Cast you can find it on the iTunes also uh, some immediate live shows coming up that need some bums on seats if you can make them Uh, one is my Edinburgh preview at The Quills in Rochester on Sunday the 28th of May. It sounds very fancy, The Quills. Um, I've never been there, but if you live around there, then please, please come along, as it seems like not many other people from Rochester fancy it. Um, Then on May the 21st is the Birmingham Gig for Help Refugees, which has sold well, but not out, and I really want to get that all sold out uh, to raise as much money for the charity as possible. That's at the Birmingham Rep Theatre, uh, with me hosting a bill of Joe Lysett, Nish Kumar, Mrs Barbara Nice, Tez Ilyas, Alison Jean Smith, and Al Murray, all for just £20. Uh, and you can grab tickets via the Birmingham Rep website because computers are cleverer than you think. Right, on this week's show, I have a chat with Jamie McCall from Bombay Bicycle Club who's now turned his attention away from strumming his guitar to instead strumming up active interest in politics for 18 to 30-year-olds via the Undivided campaign. Uh, there's also manifestos, were manifestos and childifestos as well because I don't discriminate. There is again, still no time for Trump this week, but that's okay because there's every chance I'll record something about him on here and then he'll impeach himself within the hour on account of thinking he's the best at doing it. So instead, first up, voting seems pretty democratic, right? I mean, you get a few choices, you put a cross by a box and that's your say, and then more often than not, they don't get in because you live somewhere surrounded by arseholes. But actually, there are certain groups of people that voting definitely doesn't work for. One of these groups, shockingly, are women who are victims of domestic violence because you need to use your address to get your vote. Your address then ends up on the electoral register which is available to the public, and that could mean that the abusers victims are sheltering from can find out where they live and where they go to vote. Or if they're in a shelter, shelter locations are secret, and rightfully so, so that means they have to register with their old address and again could then risk bumping into their abuser. And you thought it was awkward enough bumping into the exit poll people afterwards, I know. But now you can have your address taken off the online electoral register, and that is quite easy to do, but it will still remain on the full register, which can be found by absolutely anyone in a town hall with patients. And the only way to get fully anonymous registration is to get either a court order proving you're a survivor of abuse, but with 21% of survivors never pressing charges, that could be a problem, or you have to get a letter of attestation, which can only be signed off by the head of MI5, top-level police officers, or top-level civil servants. You know, those people that we all know and hang out with all the time. I mean, actually, I assume no one knows the head of MF5 at all. Otherwise, they're doing a really, really terrible job at being a spy. The Cabinet Office say they're putting in measures to allow social workers, healthcare professionals and refuge managers to also sign these letters, which would make things massively easier. But this won't be ready until the local elections in 2018 at the earliest. Until then, Women's Aid have set up a guide to anonymous registering, which does require a court order or a letter of attestation. But if you are able to get those for either yourself or someone you're assisting, then you can find the guide at womensaid.org.uk and searching for anonymous registration DV leaflet. While the normal voting registration deadline for June the 8th election was May the 22nd, the registration for anonymous voting is May the 31st, so do get on the case. Irish tea sock Ender Kenny is stepping down, which I think means they have to elect someone else to pour hot beverages down their feet garments or something like that. Isn't that what a tea sock is? I I really don't know. While Ender Kennedy is credited as helping Ireland recover from the death of the Celtic tiger, a species that in 2008 became even more rare than the white rhino, Kenny's not been in favour for the past few years with the Irish public. Since the general elections in Ireland in 2016, Kenny has been head of a minority Fianna Fáil government after resigning a first time round and narrowly then being elected back in to lead it. Since then, there's been a lot of calls for him to stand down, with everything from his mishandling of the uncovering of a smear campaign against a whistleblower, as in, you know, someone who revealed corruption in the Garda Force, not a referee, all the way to Kenny's reluctance to hold a referendum on repealing the Eighth Amendment, which could have led to the legalising of abortion. And yeah, I know they have to repopulate Ireland after everyone left during the crash, but making abortion illegal is not the way, mate. Kenny said he wouldn't resign until Northern Ireland's political standoff and the Brexit situation between the two countries could be resolved. And so now, Kenny is going to be leaving in June when neither of those things will have happened thanks to the fucking UK snap general election, which has ruined fucking everything for fucking everyone. However, the next phase of Brexit negotiations do start in June, so that leaves Kenny not having to deal with any of it. So really, why should he give a fuck? The only issue is, of course, that someone else will have to give a shit, and while Kenny has riled a lot of people up, he did have 42 years of experience in Parliament, 15 as a leader of his own party, 6 as TSOC, and 66 years as someone who looks like he should be hosting a daytime TV game show. So it's going to be hard to find someone to match that level of experience for any Brexit negotiations. The bookie's favourite is Leo Veradica, who is a former doctor, the current Minister for Social Protection, former Minister of Health and former Minister of Transport. So you'd kind of hope he could get things moving, diagnose difficult situations accurately and keep everyone secure and alive. And perhaps being a son of an immigrant and openly gay will mean a new, more tolerant Irish Parliament. Ah, uh, except it seems Radica has shat all over expectations by already announcing that he'd banned strikes for essential services, thinks too many staff and hospital beds make hospital workers complacent. Yeah, really. And he says he wants to lead a party for people who get up early in the morning, which makes him an arsehole. You know why the early bird caught the worm, Leo radica Because he was too fucking tired to cook a proper breakfast and hated his stupid early morning so much that he self-punished by eating a slimy live noodle. Ireland gets to decide in just a few weeks and we'll see if it's Leo pouring tea down his socks because he gets elected or if it's just because he's so fucking tired from waking up too early like an idiot. This week's guest, I first saw on stage at Hyde Park supporting Blur about eight years ago. Obviously, he didn't see me as I was in a sea of people, most of whom thought it was just fun to lob beer at each other while I was just trying to see the stage in between some very tall people. But as Bombay Bicycle Club are on a musical hiatus, guitarist Jamie McColl has turned his attention to politics because he thinks it's now important to hit the right political notes with people rather than musical ones. You know, and without making a song and dance about it all, obviously. Okay, okay, I'll stop. Uh, Last year, Jamie and 29 others set up Undivided, a campaign led by young people for young people to get their say heard in Brexit negotiations, no matter how they voted. So while I spoke briefly about the issue of a low youth vote in this election, uh, when I spoke to Josh Dell from Bright the Ballot last week, so I thought it would be interesting to hear about it from a slightly different angle from a group who were very much focused on what this election and leaving the EU will mean for a lot of people who didn't have a lot of say in it, and if things have to always be like this, like this, like this. Yes, that's a reference to a very good Bombay bicycle song. Uh, Yeah, you're right. This is exactly why I can't have nice things. Uh, by total and utter coincidence, Jamie lives about 10 minutes walk from where I live and I'll probably now bump into him loads to our local useless Tesco Express. Very little help more like, sorry. Um, so I recorded this interview in the studio in his garden which means there are occasional outside noises and for some reason I say sure even more than I normally do which annoys me as much as it probably annoys you. We chatted for ages about many political things so I have popped some of this interview on this week's show and a slightly more chatty bit is going to be up at the Patreon at the end of the week. So, Here is Jamie. Enjoy. So, first of all, uh, well, in fact, fact, let's start by you telling me what Undivided is and why you set it up. I think that's probably a good starting point.
2: Um, So, Undivided is a youth-led, let's call it a pressure group, um, which... Spent about a year collecting um, data from um, under 30s to find out what their key interests were um, for the Brexit negotiations. And then now that we've collected all that data, we've got a sort of a, a manifesto based on their most important interests, and we're taking it to politicians and getting them to endorse it. Um, the whole process has lately been thrown askew by the, um, snap election, um, because we were envisaging a sort of two-year and beyond negotiation period where you could constantly lobby and the government would have a small number of MPs, uh, a small majority, and they would be more susceptible to pressure from groups like Undivided. Um, that may all have to change now, particularly if the Tories get a sort of hundred-seat majority, as some people are predicting them to.
1: Sure. And um, we'll get into that in a minute, but before we do, you collected... Was it about a million young people's views? Was no, that, right? that no. No, It wasn't that many. That's okay. what I said on Question oh, Time.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what <laughs> I remembered, yeah. <laughs> no, well, our campaign reached... To be fair, you're not the only person who's <laughs> said yeah. incorrect things on
1: Question Time, you're fine.
2: Our campaign reached about 4.5 million young people in terms of impressions on social media, so that's how okay. many people saw a post in some way or another. Um, but in terms of actual... Um, data, we've got about 10,000 young people, but that's young people that have put in more than a certain number of demands into our our collection system or survey, or whatever you want to call it.
1: But I'm guessing people were quite... Were young people quite enthusiastic about putting forward their opinions on Brexit? Did you find it easy to get...?
2: Yeah, I think it was quite easy, particularly in the immediate aftermath. Um, Funnily enough, it was easiest with 16- to 18-year-olds as opposed to um 18 plus right um i think if i can just look at my data yeah, of 40% of the respondents were 16 to 18 year olds um which is kind of interesting because i think it shows that one there's probably an argument for lowering the voting age to 16 because they're clearly engaged in politics but also that I would personally feel if I was a 17-year-old, I would have felt very disenfranchised by the referendum if I would had been very pro-Remain because I may have been months away from turning 18 and having a say in the political process, but suddenly this massive decision has been made for me and I'll live with the consequences for the next 60-odd years. Sure.
1: It's, yeah, it must have been a, a really horrible feeling to have your entire future decided for you by people yeah. that you don't agree with. Absolutely. Um, which is difficult. But, but your... But I should say Undivided is for people however they voted, isn't it? Is exactly.
2: It... It's, it's completely... Um, n- non-partisan and um, non-party-aligned. And the key thing at the beginning was to try and bring in as many young Leave voters as possible, um, while also acknowledging that something like 75% of... I think it was 18- to 24-year-olds, voted for Remain. Mm. So there was a clear majority for that. Um, and, and But the key is is kind of in the name, Undivided. It's about bringing people together from both sides and trying to find some common ground and some things that we can agree on, um, which I mostly think we managed to do. It was hard to find young Leave voters, particularly being um, predominantly based in London. Sure. Um, and... But it was really interesting meeting people that had different political views for yeah, me, definitely. just on a personal level. Um, and I actually did some stuff like that in the aftermath of the referendum with a different organisation just going to different parts of the country that had voted very heavily for Leave. Um, that sort of makes it sound like a sort of a zoological trip into <laughs> the, to like the deep heart of the jungle to find these sort of <laughs> mysterious beasts. But actually, it was just kind of everyone's just similar people to to us. Yeah, I
1: bet. I was going to say, do you find, because I've gigged in areas that were predominantly leave, and uh, everyone's angry about the same stuff, but it's just directed, or or personally, that's how I felt it was just directed towards different places. Yeah. Uh, You know, some people were directing it towards, say, the EU, some people were directing it towards the government, some were directing it towards immigrants. You know, it, it, it was where they chose to be angry about the same issues that everyone else was having. Yeah.
2: But I was in a similar position, to be honest, in that my job had taken me all over the country, and um most importantly out of london for the last 10 years um which i think although being in a band doesn't is quite doesn't give you a normal perspective necessarily it definitely gave me other people's perspective meeting lots of different people um but one of the things i found in the after- aftermath of the referendum was that just that people like i like spent a few days in hull and a lot of people there were more concerned about like very local issues as opposed to like the, the EU, or even feeling very distant from London. There were people that kind of were angry about feeling distant from Leeds, let alone London. Sure.
1: But, yeah, I mean, I guess it's that, um, you know, that, that thing that we've heard time and time again is that the Brexit vote was a vote for change rather than the vote specifically for Brexit. Yeah. Uh, even though it's now become that the only way to get this change is Brexit, you know, however it's, it's now interpreted. But that was, I think, a lot of people have feeling very angry and...
2: Absolutely, it was. I mean, it was yeah. the EU was something that you could project every negative feeling you had about the last forty years of politics in this country, and it was, you know, it's it's sort of the way I think some uh, kind of left wing liberals feel about Jeremy Corbyn. You, you can project whatever you want from politics onto him, mm. and you can see it in that. And it was, I think, the same for some people with the EU. Like that was the root of all. Evil.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's uh, you almost wish that we'd invented an imaginary uh, bureaucracy somewhere. We could have just... Uh, you know, the, the sort of 1984 thing of just... It, it's that one, and you can be angry about that, and we'll get yeah. on with stuff. Um, do, did you find... I mean, and, and I feel like this is going to be a stupid question because I'm certain I know what the answer would be, but do you think that in the Brexit campaign, and, in fact, in any of the negotiations since, that young people's views have been represented at all?
2: Um, in the campaign itself there are a lot of kind of tired cliched efforts to get young people to vote, I think, that always speak in quite patronising terms. Um as like stay in the we you vote to stay in the EU because you'll get cheaper holidays or your phone tariff will be slightly more expensive when you go to like Mallorca or whatever. And I just found that quite patronizing personally as if that's the only way that you can talk to young people about what is the kind of the defining political choice of our generation. Mm. Um, and, I mean, I criticised those kind of campaigns, but I was also involved in quite a cynical digital marketing campaign during the right. referendum <laughs> itself. <laughs> um, pr- Can I ask pr- <laughs> which one? <or> <laughs> well, the, the whole the idea was that you didn't really know who was doing it. Um, so it was just... We had some money and, and um, did a registration and then a turnout campaign... Um, we did a, did some sort of videos with celebrities and did like paid social media posts, and it was actually very successful in terms of the numbers that it reached. But I don't think it will have increased people's interest in politics in the long right. term. We did a, a funnily enough, we did we did these videos, all these celebrities. We had like Kira Knightley and Lily Cole. The one that really um, kind of transcended uh the genre i guess was 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 just a 15 second clip we did with big nasty the grime artist which had like three or four million views in the end um which is maybe why you know the grime for corbyn thing may pay dividends at at the election
1: yeah well there's a few because there's another um there's another youth campaign that i know people set up called rise up yeah you've seen this and that's backed by quite a few grime artists as well and seems to be getting some sort of ground and it's obviously a good way. I mean, it's funny because I always, uh, and and I suppose you would have an interesting view on this, having you know been in a, in a very well-known band touring everywhere. Do you think celebrity endorsements make much of a difference? No, um, no, no. <laughs>
2: um, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I mean, you know, the Conservatives rarely ever have any celebrity endorsements Michael
1: Caine it's always Michael Caine yeah but yeah. There's, there's, I can't
2: really think of any prominent ones um this time and they're no. li- likely to get close to 50% of the vote so sure I, I can see why I can see I mean I wasn't going to ask you this, but I thought I'd throw it in because yeah. it, uh, we, we got no I mean it, so. I, I just yeah. I just I just don't think it's the best way to engage young people with regards to politics it might help um, get them registered, I think Sure um, But does it make them Does it help their understanding of it Does it make them less apathetic I'm not sure um, And I'm, I'm slightly Confused about why A lot of the grime artists are coming out For Corbyn Now, considering like, <laughs> I tried very hard to get Some involved in the referendum Last year and found it very difficult, and I wonder what it is about Corbyn that carries more interest. And also, as you say, now it
1: feels a bit late.
2: Exactly. You kind
1: of feel like a a year ago might have been more useful, or when there was a possibility to change any sort of narrative, or, you know, it's... um...
2: I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this general election is much less important than the EU referendum. True,
1: and in fact, let's let's go back to the undivided. Yeah, um, no, no, I apologise. I, I I felt uh, I thought that was a good chat to. Go but the, the I was going to say with your you, you came up with um, uh, what do you call it a manifesto of ideas or a list of ideas? Uh,
2: yeah, it's a ma- it's a manifesto now, I suppose. that right. That we want politicians to endorse. Um, and pre the election announcement, we actually had lots of politicians on board, including Tory politicians. But it seems like some of the latter may be shying away from it. Right. Now.
1: Sure. Sure. And what were the, what were the, what does the manifesto contain? What were the main things that kept coming
2: up? So I think how I like to separate it is to what we call demands based on process and demands based on outcomes. So um, with regards to process, there were um, things like um, basically making sure that young people's demands are heard in the negotiations. So, so create, creating a body that young people can have input to and politicians have to listen to. Um, the other thing was reforming um, the voting system in this country, so having a proportional representation system, um, which is very popular with young people and it's hardly a surprise when it feels like first-past-the-post so often bears very little fruit um, sure. when you vote. Um the other thing was having uh, a parliamentary vote on the ref on the final Brexit deal, which obviously we have, um, although I would question how rigorous that process will be.
1: yeah
2: um, and I should mention that all of these were demands that had consensus from both remain. And leave oh, that's voters. Okay. So, all everything that we ended up in the manifesto was things that had consensus from both sides. So, for instance, we had loads of votes on people wanting Britain to stay in the EU, but very little consensus sure. on that. Um, so, if those were all the process ones, and there were, I guess, what I would call outcomes, what people want to see as a re- direct result of the. Um, Negotiations, and I think it's quite interesting that they focus on kind of long term trends and concerns as opposed to very short term ones. So, things like um, the government keeping its commitments to climate change um, targets, which it has to. Um, within the eu Um, a commitment to continue scientific funding and collaboration with the eu um, and also protecting funding for the erasmus scheme so it's kind of it's things around education the environment science things that are going to have a massive impact on our generation in 30 or 40 years time sure
1: it all makes total sense yeah yeah and and in fact it would make I think it makes sense for, for you know, it's one of those things that it seems bizarre that these things perhaps haven't been addressed so far or haven't been mentioned when they're quite, I mean, the environment is something that affects everyone, yeah. <laughs> you
2: know. Ever catch
0: yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
1: We'll be back with Jamie in a minute, but first, a short clip of the Conservatives' retaliation to grind for Corbyn. Yes, it's Dark Robot Electro for May, put together by several evil robots. Kill the foxes, eat the paw. She'll give you less. When you need more, Theresa May. Right, and now... Elections over here, elections over there. There seems to be elections every bloody where. Elections every night, elections every day. And who to bloody thank for this is Mrs Bloody May. Oi! This week, there are actually some manifestos to look at. Excited? No, of course not. Manifestos are, if you don't know, a lot of words that are bound together in order to give anyone reading them a terrible time. And in the case of the Conservative Manifesto, anyone living through the consequences of them as well. It's like the Book of the Dead, but with terrible stock photos of Conservatives smiling, which they're only doing because they're imagining the discomfort you're having reading the manifesto. And if you missed last week's show, I mostly went through the Labour manifesto then. Uh, It was the leaked version, but it turned out the actual version was pretty much the same, apart from a few tweaks. Ooh, tweaks. But what it does have now is a commitment to end university tuition fees, which Labour have said will be in place by 2018, and cover students that started this year as well, which sounds pretty great for students, and it means they won't have to leave with all the student debt that someone like me has. Although, with job prospects what they are, it's unlikely anyone studying now would ever earn enough to pay one back anyway. Anyway. Seriously, student loan company, you just try and get it off me. I'll never pay it back. I never, ever will. Um, scrapping tuition fees will be a mega £11.2 billion, and this is all costed up on the proper manifesto, resulting in about £50 billion of costs that Labour want to use taxes to raise money for. Several economists say that many of Labour's costs, including renationalising the railways and the national grid, won't increase public debt as the value of the assets that they renationalise should balance it all out. So, all of that is dandy. But then, in the Finnish manifesto is also a commitment to end freedom of movement of people in the EU, even though they also say they want to stay in the single market, which really makes you wonder if this is a proper manifesto or just a very early, ambitious Christmas list. But one that Santa, as CEO of his company, may frown upon while all his elves go on strike to complain. But look, if Labour's manifesto is a socialist Christmas list, or a Christmas socialist, am I right? Then the Conservative manifesto could well be the beginnings of a Cormac McCarthy book. For a start, it says strong and stable more times than a manual for horse house building. Then it talks about taking this opportunity to build a great meritocracy here in Britain. No, no one wants a meritocracy when the people in charge of what is deemed as merit would probably class having private healthcare investments as some. What's that? You've genuinely helped people? Yeah, but this guy got some dogs to kill a fox, and so now he's a prince and you have to eat mud. So on to policies in the Conservative manifesto, and the big one is the Adult Social Care Bill. Two of those three words are usually quite alien to the Conservative Party, so no wonder they found it hard making this sound even remotely reasonable. So at the moment, if you're an elderly person with less than £23,250, then your social care is paid for by the local authority. If you have more, you pay for yourself. If you're cared for in a residential care home, then the money you have can include the cost of the home that you own. And if you're cared for at home, it can't. Got it? So the Conservative Manifesto proposed that the cut-off point should be changed from £23,250 to £100,000, which sounds pretty good, right? I mean, if you've got less than £100,000, you have to pay towards your social care, so that should help everyone. And this is when... If it were a wildlife documentary, you'd be the fish so very pleased to find a bit of fish food to eat and sustain yourself with that you do a little dance, all happy, only to suddenly realise you're doing your happy fish dance in the mouth of a big fucking shark that's about to eat your face off. Because while the cutoff point is good, the value of your home will now be taken into consideration whether you are living in it or not. With the average house price in the UK being £236,000 and houses in the South earning well more than people, that's all your assets gone, even if you haven't got much else. And all because, like a selfish arsehole, you decided to get sick. It's an ageing population in the UK, social care needs funding, and hey, I'm not all that against the idea of proper inheritance tax, if that's what it was, outright. But instead, this is a stealth tax that mainly punishes people for being sick, which is the worst sort of stealth tax. I much prefer it when they wear a ninja outfit and take a fiver out of your pocket without you knowing. Now, May has said that there will be a cap on how much people will have to pay, but she hasn't said what it is, and she's also said that nothing in the manifesto is changing. So there's every chance you'll still have your face eaten off, it's just that the shark apologises while doing it. Doesn't apologise with meaning, though, obviously. Also in the manifesto is the pledge to reduce net migration to the UK to the tens of thousands, with foreign students still counting in the mix. Now, net migration is the amount of people arriving compared to the amount of people leaving, so unless Theresa May plans to make a lot of British people emigrate, which, let's face it, is looking quite likely, then this won't happen. Net immigration figures last year were 273,000, which is down on the year before, probably because people from abroad really aren't looking at the UK for future prospects anymore, with Theresa May in charge. I mean, unless that's her plan. Make the UK so miserable that people won't emigrate here and everyone here will leave. Perfect, then net migration will be down to zero. Then there is the pledge that universal free school meals for children would be stopped, which would affect 100,000 children from families living in relatively poverty and 667,000 from ordinary working families. You know, the ordinary working families at the Conservatives keep saying they want to help. I mean, I suppose maybe it's a help to those families if their kids are so exhausted due to a lack of food that they pass out when they get home, allowing the parents to work even more. So, it's going to add £440 a year to each of these families' expenditures if they have to pay for school meals. And if they can't pay for them, well then their kids go hungry at lunchtime. The Conservatives say that they'll make sure that children who need free lunches the most will get them, but it's only the ones who need it the absolute most, while children that even slightly need it cut. I mean, I guess, how else will they become thin enough to go and work and climb into those giant Victorian industrial machines? But don't worry, free lunches are being replaced with free breakfasts on offer instead. Because hey, that conveys a much clearer message to all those children that their hopes for the future are toast. There is a promise not to raise VAT in the manifesto, but no promise not to raise tax. Uh, The triple-lock pension has gone, and while the Conservatives say basic state pension has risen by £1,250 in their time, that doesn't take into account inflation, which means pensioners have only actually got about half that raise. There's a pledge to repeal the Fixed Parliament Act, because what everyone really wants to do is go through all of this shit again sometime soon. And there are proposals for needs for ID when voting, which the Electoral Commission say would stop 3.5 million people from getting a vote. According to the manifesto, it's to allow the British public to have confidence in our democracy, but last year 51.4 million people voted and there were only 26 allegations of fraud, so surely we're pretty confident about it already? I mean, what the Tories are basically saying is bring back confidence by making sure a ton of people you have no confidence in can't have a say. Though, to be fair, if you've gone through the process of having a shitty picture on your driving licence, you'd hope the eternal shame every time you had to show it would make you a far more thoughtful voter so it could really work against the Tories. Oh, and they've also got rid of their ivory trade ban because they're the sort of party that deal with the elephant in the room by hunting it and making its tusks into something they can mount their head on. Then there is the internet regulation section of the manifesto that says, some people say that it is not for government to regulate when it comes to technology and the internet. We disagree. Oh, good. The manifesto goes on to say that lives online should be governed in the same way as lives offline, which obviously means they think of you all as second life citizens, or perhaps just lemmings. And it recommends a series of regulatory policies. And again, hey, dancing happy fish, eating a small bit of fish food again, this could be used to tackle grooming cyber attacks and prevent children from accessing content they shouldn't. But, big shark eating your face off, it's much more likely that they'll over-censor and the internet will become a restricted mess. On the plus side, if this is the case, I'll definitely start printing this podcast on vinyl, and I'll send it out to you all on a weekly basis individually. Promise. And of course, none of this manifesto, none of it, is costed. None of it. Perhaps, maybe, the whole manifesto just feeds off wails of despair. But none of it's costed, and either the Conservatives are being super cocky and assuming that there's no way they'll lose, so fuck it, all-out megatory, or they actually don't want to win, and perhaps they're just hoping that someone else is going to get through and deal with the mess of Brexit. If it's the latter, then suddenly... Everything that's happened becomes filled with pathos, and you have to look at it in a very different way. All their slogans change. Let us go forward together. Suddenly, that becomes a suicide pact. Strong and stable are just too far away, wants and dreams. Theresa May saying there is no Mayism is perhaps an acceptance of the abject lack of soul that she feels. Oh, just imagine. Though, let's be fair, it's probably the former, right? And they're just being mega Tories. Because, let's face it, if you're not old or young, hate looking at the internet and think elephants are arseholes who never stop blowing their own horn, all of which may cost you more than you can possibly imagine, then what more could you want from a manifesto? That's right, nothing. Next week, I'll be looking at Lib Dems, Greens and UKIP manifestos. Woo! No, you're excited. Now, back to JB. Let's go. It was interesting that you said, um that those are things that were uh, okayed by both leave and remain, because uh, there's this whole... They're talking about in this the election now there's a lot of... Uh, what the, the terrible term is re-leavers, I think, which is people yeah. that vote to remain, but understand that we're now going to leave. Yeah. Um, and did you did you feel with the young people's views across the board that however they voted, they'd like the people in charge to do it sensibly? You know, is there a, Because it, it, I think that's the concern of a, a lot of people of whatever age at the moment, is just that however this happens now, it happens in the best way
2: yeah. possible... Well, that's why I think it is, it's interesting that there was a lot of consensus on things like having a parliamentary vote on the final deal, on having making sure that there were structures in place to hear, um, uh, in, to make sure that the interests of young people are represented. Because I don't think I think few of the the people that we um, surveyed wanted to have a super hard let's brexit let's get out immediately i think it was only something like 15 or 16 percent of people that surveyed wanted that um there was also some degree of support for staying in the single market from young leave voters um we also had the situation where (laughs) <laughs> nearly everyone that's surveyed wanted to have the right to work and travel freely throughout Europe, but then there was obviously a lower percentage of people that thought that our counterparts in Europe should have the same right sure, <laughs> to come here, as I imagine is the case for most age groups, not just yeah. um, young people. Um, but yeah, certainly I I think there's very low support for having a immediate, hard Brexit, let's blow everything up, um... Which is unsurprising because, you know, 18-, 19-, 20-year-olds are all looking for jobs or at university and about to leave university and look for jobs, and no-one is interested in a, um, in having another recession um, and finding it impossible to get a job in the next four or five years. And do you think... You mentioned earlier that, obviously,
1: the snap election's kind of thrown uh, what you guys are doing off, off course yeah. a bit. Um, do you, uh, and I, I don't know if you've been talking to people... Have you been talking to young people when they are up to snap election?
2: Or Yeah, a little bit. I've, I've gone to... um went to the Bite the Ballot thing last night, and I'm going to another one tonight, these decafés. The day, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah they your us your on the us in the bus last week, sure. Um, and, I mean, less than I did in the referendum, um, but that's partly... On a personal level, I feel much more conflicted about what the best outcome is than I did during the referendum. And it's its just... Yeah, I'm just feeling a bit depressed about the whole thing. <laughs> well, I think you're not alone in that by
1: any means. Yeah. I think the uh, a large percentage of, of the country are. But, I, I mean, I wonder, are you seeing that reflected in young people as well? Because there's been this big idea that were all the young people to vote, it could make quite a difference.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I... I I mean, there was a thing in BuzzFeed this morning um, which was quite interesting, which um, your listeners should definitely go and have a read um, about, which was going through all the data and and looking at the claims about whether young people would actually swing the election for Labour if they turned out in significant numbers, and um, it seemed to put those claims um, to bed. And said that it would make very little difference, sure. sadly, which is just even more dispiriting because if there's no point in voting, then what's the point of voting in the first place? Um, of course, but it's the same
1: as that they always say that if all the non-voters
2: voted, it would be pretty much in line with voters that but, do vote. But I mean, this is this is something that Labour said throughout the last general election as well. It's like we're not we're not going to go after Tory voters; we're going to go after non-voters and young people in particular. And it didn't work then, and I'd be surprised if it works now. Um, but on the kind of on on young voters in this um, election, I mean, it was very worrying that the cabinet office are not providing funding for voter registration drives, um, which they announced last week. Um, and and I'm feeling quite cynical about the timing of the election as well, sure, in terms of, of how close it is to for students, how close it is to exams. Um, and it's in that and I'm at university at the moment and it's that very strange period where a lot of people will have gone home um, and are probably registered in the wrong place um, and are just less likely to vote I think
1: yeah, so it was something I discussed with uh, from just from by the ballot last week. But the the way in which they changed registration yeah um, to individual voter registration yeah yeah and that's yeah. affected a lot of students in particular hasn't yeah.
2: It? So in I think it was in 2014 um, they moved from household registration to individual voter registration. So um, previously you would have say one person in the household registering everyone. In that household and now you can't do that so you have a lot of particularly school leavers and university students not registered anywhere um which obviously has a huge effect on turnout because even if you want to vote it's too late sure yeah 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 no it's uh
1: it, there were some very sneaky changes i think that was a uh, was it a couple of years ago it was just after the last election i think wasn't it yeah
2: uh, I think I think it was 2014. Before, but, yeah, and, and then you have the added problem that I think that tends to affect people from um, poor or ethnic minority backgrounds. It disproportionately affects private renters who are also even less likely to vote. Um, so I would, again, feel quite cynical about that piece of legislation and what it's designed to mm. do and who it's designed to ensure or d- ensure doesn't vote. And and sort of depressing real possibilities
1: aside, because uh, obviously we've got there's very little time with this snap election. There was you know it was announced very quickly, and uh, there's very little time to register and get all that out. But if you know in an ideal situation, what, what do you think would be a good way to incentivise young people to, to vote? Because that seems to be the key question all the time. Is what what can you, you know, if if, if, if uh, young people, I was about to say kids, how patronising why I am so old, um, if young people feel like politics aren't doing anything for them, but politicians aren't doing anything for them because they're not voting, It's well, yeah. a catch-22 forever situation, it's, isn't it? Yeah, we,
2: it, we seem to be stuck in this cycle where, as you said, young people don't vote so politicians don't see them as an interest group and don't offer them incentives to vote and the cycle continues um i guess there isn't really an easy answer but i think you also maybe need to think about voting and democracy as not just something that produces an outcome that is exactly what you want i mean i'm 27 now and i've voted in i guess um five or six elections and i think only one of those has on the way I voted, right, sure. <laughs> which was probably Sadiq Khan last year. Um, so, but you got to you just keep doing it in the hope that things change, I guess. And and uh, and one of the biggest concerns I have is this sort of democratic deficit, I guess. And what if 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 only. I think it was 43% of 18 to 24-year-olds that voted in the last general election. If that trend continues and as they get older, they don't vote, and and most um, studies do show that voting is habitual. If you don't do it when you're younger, you're less likely to do it when you're you're older. Um, So suddenly we live in a democracy where people aren't turning out to vote, and voter turnout is the absolute bedrock of a healthy democracy as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, and I, part of me would love to think that whoever's in government would think, "Oh, not many people are voting. Perhaps we should change what we do." In order. Yeah. But I, I can't see that happening. Yeah,
2: sadly. I think what one thing it will take is that it, first past the post obviously um, incentivises whichever um, parties in government to keep it. I think it's going to take a, a brave party at some point to say we need a more proportional voting system that incentivises more people to vote and that may not be in our interest in the short term but in the long term it's going to be good for the health of british democracy
1: yeah it's gonna we might have to wait some time i mean yeah did i don't you, know if did any... you vote in the av uh, you would have voted in the
2: i AV. did i voted for av but i can see why people didn't because it was such a watered down that version was the, of it,
1: the but problem part of me feels like that was our one chance to change the voting system but the options we were given were it, very yeah. good
2: uh, and the no to av campaign was very effective i think and apparently a forerunner for the Leave campaign, which is quite interesting.
1: Right, sure, yeah, I, would re- I remember that. I'm sure I remember some quite horrific billboards telling you yeah. what would happen if, uh, if, you if the AV, AV. vote yeah. came Ooh, through.
2: Oh, AV! <laughs> yeah! <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is uh, amazing. Right. Well, before uh, before I wrap up, uh, in fact, two questions for you. Firstly, uh, firstly, the easy one. Who else? Obviously, people check out Undivided, get involved, sign up. Um, if you are within the age range up to thirty, isn't it? You yeah. Yep. Yeah, so slightly. Uh, less I'm, young. I'm
2: approaching that point, but i right. have still got a couple more years. It's,
1: it's fine. It's fine. You'll survive. Don't worry. I'm thirty. It's around thirty six now when, when things start to the crisis. So in. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, but uh, are there any other campaigns you mentioned by the ballot? Earlier? Anyone else that you recommend that listeners check out, follow on Twitter, get involved with?
2: Yeah, Bite, bite the Ballot, My Life, My Say, um, Citizens UK do good stuff around students. Um, there's a project in Manchester called the Reclaim Project, which is about getting more kind of working class um, people involved in politics, young working class people involved in politics, which is really important as well. Um, Yeah, there's so much you can do, I think. There's there's definitely no excuse to not be involved in some way if you're passionate about it. And obviously try and do more than clicking share or retweet on Facebook and Twitter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely, which I am very guilty of. Yes,
2: I, I am as well, and it makes you feel good in the short term, but I don't know how much effect it has.
1: Absolutely. No, I, I agree. Yeah, I don't, yeah, sadly, I think, as we've learned from all the elections in the last few years, very little. Yeah. Um, and the, the very last question I just wanted to ask you is you survived being on Question Time, which I'm so impressed with. Um, and I, I thought you did brilliantly on it, I should say. Um, I've, I've not been able to watch it last few months. It gets my blood pressure like too yeah. i I almost <laughs> broken my TV too many times. How, how is it as an experience?
2: Uh, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, The preparing for it was quite torturous. Um, I kind of just locked myself away for two or three weeks and just read every bit of news and sort of research that I could get my hands on on what I thought might come up. And then in the end, loads of those things didn't come up. But (laughs) definitely (laughs) felt more educated at the end of it. Um, One of the best things, actually, was just I got to meet and talk to lots of really interesting people that was kind of experts um in their field and had lots of great advice so yeah it was it was it was very rewarding i thought um it's obviously completely bonkers the, the whole thing and is getting quite absurd <laughs> i think
1: yeah it just feels like such a bear pit now i'm trying to because your episode was last year wasn't it which i remember i i can't quite remember it was it.
2: in um it was in february this year. Oh was it in February this year?
1: Oh god right sorry I thought I'd given up watching it before that but maybe not. I definitely, yeah how funny but but I don't remember were you were you particularly shouted at by any members of the public or you you remained unscathed?
2: No they were were quite there there were people in the audience saying oh I agree with Jamie which made me feel quite good (laughs) that's all you want isn't (laughs) it? I was like have these these people been planted here to say that by members of my family (laughs) 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 Um, but, but no no one shouted at me there were crazy people in the audience as there always are there was a man that Kept just he just kept sort of shouting foreigners intermittently, um, <laughs> as if that son- as if that suddenly that made sense somehow. Um, there was also a man that was very rude about his Russian wife that was sitting next to him, just saying she's she's not British, she's not British, she doesn't belong here. Oh my god, but his own wife. Um, god, I bet that was an
1: enjoyable. i yeah. <laughs> yeah. after that. My
2: god. I mean, I also found myself uh, agreeing with Peter Hitchens at one point, which I didn't expect myself to ever do. That's
1: a horrible <laughs> yeah. thing. I've, yeah. I've done that. I've read the occasional column and gone, oh, that's... Re- oh, no, yeah. what's happened to yeah. me? <laughs> this is terrible.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, the, but then the other depressing thing was just how unimpressive the politicians on it were, on and off screen, which is all right. I say, but... <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, no, no, that's fair. It's, um, I don't know if you've ever heard Mark Steele's story about... Um, being on with as a Tory politician had just said, oh, you know, just go for it. And at the end, Mark Stewart really put him down and backstage the Tory politician kind of pointed him a glass by and went, well done, you played it properly. And, you know, uh, this horrible feeling of going... It's oh, just all
2: it's a game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> but I mean, I, I understand why politicians are constrained on screen and in the media, um, but it's it's more I want to be at least inspired by them a bit when they're off camera, but I wasn't in that case. Oh, good. Good.
1: That's a nice point to finish (laughs) the interview on. I think a nice high note to (laughs) encourage people. Big thanks to Jamie for chatting with me. Uh, he can be found on Twitter at Jamie McColl. That's M A C O L L. And Undivided can be found at We Are Undivided on Twitter and We Are Undivided on Facebook and Weareundivided.co.uk. Uh, as I've said, there's about 20 minutes more chat with Jamie, which was really fun and interesting, but not entirely on topic, uh, although it is mostly about politics. Um, I've kept all of that and I'm going to pop it on the Patreon page for any of you that donate there if you'd like a listen. I like a lot of Jamie's thoughts and ideas, and he mentioned uh, in our chat, I think it was off record, it might be in the other bit, Um, he mentioned that he's thinking about pursuing politics further, so I'm very much looking forward to him doing that if he chooses to. Uh, Please do still send me any guest recommendations you might have, as I'm now nearly out of pre-planned interviews, and there's still one, possibly two shows pre-election, and then however many I'm going to be allowed to do post-election before I'm locked up for being a dissenter under the new internet regulation laws. So, do send me all suggestions for people to interview, as well as subjects to interview people about, and you can, of course, do that by tweeting me at ParPolBro on Twitter, the ParPolBro Facebook group, emailing me at Partly political broadcast at gmail.com or training 40 whales to all sing your suggestion in whale noises at the same time as I have my head underwater in the bath and hey, I should get the gist. Email is, as always, probably easiest. And now I'm pleased to say I have a quick clip of the Lib Dem supporting movement Elevator Music for Farron. Oh Tim Farron Ooh, Tim Farron He says he'll do something Tim Farron Oh, Tim Farron His face is really small Oh, Tim Farron Tim Farron After Conservatives, Labour, Lib Dems and the Greens, this week is, of course, the turn of UKIP. So, I asked you, the people, for possible campaign slogans for the pound shop fascists, the ITV2 of bigots. That's right, UKIP. At Julie R says, Tory's still not racist enough for you? Vote UKIP. At Andy Walker 9 says, vote for the mad racism, stay for the badinage. Wasn't that the former leader? Oh, no, wait, sorry. Um, at The Master's Beard says, vote Tory. Uh, Kukasaurus Flex says, horrible cunt without the bollocks to vote BMP, vote UKIP. Uh, and Kukasaurus Flex also sent, vote UKIP and will free you from the tyranny of having to say, I'm not racist, but... At Long Skate Death uh, says in the thickest West Country accent, which I will try. Apologies to any West Country listeners. Get off my land. Uh, at Benson Mike says UKIP 2017. Because there's still lots of brown people, some of these poofters are really quite brazen, and I want to smoke in pubs again uh i think it's all right to say pufters in the context of irony is it is it not write me say what's going on uh matt hoss uh, says ukip i can't believe it's not bmp uh matt kinson says what do we want what we just got when do we want it 1950 uh rob Skeen says ukip we won get over it because we haven't uh steve lodge says ukip it's time to leave the universe which i think is a proper winner they should do that one and although to be fair their chances of winning are astronomically small already. Paul Jenkins says UKIP the boil on the bum of Brexit Richard Barnes says independent of Europe isn't enough we want to return to the state of nature independence for everyone from everyone God I'd actually almost vote for that Uh, and James Ross has sent in a couple saying gets your whites whiter than white and UKIP because concern about becoming a Russian puppet state is so 1989 great work as always listeners uh, though something makes me wonder if I should have actually asked you to write eulogies or headstone engravings for UKIP considering how it's looking for them next week uh, is a free for all with all other possible parties standing in the election so take your pick Uh, keep your eyes peeled on the Twitter or Facebook group for the question on Sunday and I'll suggest just some of the parties that you may wish to choose from and now a small clip from world music for Lucas and Bartley Lucas and Bartley two minds are greater than one we obviously turn off when we're not using it to save energy. Lucas and Lucas and, and that's all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast. Uh, thanks again for listening. Please do donate to the Ko-fi or Patreon Parpol Bro page if you can. Do give the show a review on iTunes, Stitcher or Auto Trader, just to confuse the car buyers, I suppose. And please do spread the word if you enjoy the show. And if you didn't enjoy the show, why have you listened to the end? Hmm? Hmm. I'm going to be all mouth-jiving in your sound waves next week, and yet again, by which point Theresa May will have you turned on the entire Conservative manifesto while keeping it exactly the same, so it just means everyone has to hold their head sideways to read it because she's that selfish. Bye. This week's show was brought to you by a series of numbers that it's not that I haven't got them, I just haven't got them yet. And now a clip from Melodica for Nuttall. His name is Paul not all He's got more friends than you and some of them are in the Avengers He'll campaign to leave Europe Oh wait we've already done that I don't know what he stands for now but he looks like a potato.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?